Welcome to day 50 of Shape.org. I'm Paul Kemp here with Katie Kresge, Matt Kresge, and David Keefe as we continue uh, in season two of Shape by the Word, the drama of Scripture. Uh, we're still in the book of Genesis, and uh, Genesis is really a foundational book from the theology of the first three chapters that is really foundational for everything we'll explore through the rest of the Bible. And, of course, the opening of the promise to Abraham and uh, to uh, the fulfillment of God blessing all the nations of the earth through him. We find ourselves in several awkward places as we move through Genesis, times when we think the promises are going to stall out, times when we uh, look at God's judgment for the family he's chosen, and certainly Jacob's family as a, a dysfunctional family in every, every sense of the word. Almost every other incident we find out is one that makes us question God's choice, but God in his sovereignty working through imperfect people in order to accomplish his, his purposes. And it's never more evident than it is in the story of Joseph. We find Joseph is a brash young man bragging to his brothers to their dismay. They sell him as a slave to Egypt. Uh, just when things seem to be going well for him in the house of Potiphar, he's thrown into prison. And just when things seem to be going well for him uh, in prison, he is, is all but forgotten. So we pick up in verse 41, two years after a great moment of hope uh, that uh, Joseph has experienced. So before we, um, before we read Scripture and before we discuss Scripture together, uh, we always pause to prepare our hearts, knowing that uh, when we come to Scripture, we, uh, we're seeing the heart of God, the very breath of God. And uh, this is a tool that he uses to mold us and make us to enlarge our vision of who he is and to transform us into the image of his son. He's given his spirit uh, in order that we might not only understand the word of God, but apply the word of God and, and, and live the word of God. And as our podcast kind of intimates to be shaped by the word of God. So before we do that, uh, Katie, do you mind lifting us up in prayer? Mm-hmm. Father, thank you for this moment that we have together um, as your people, as your children, and that we um, have access to your word, that we can read it and meditate on it, God, that we can um, be filled by your spirit and that your spirit can help us to um, interpret it and know, and know what you're saying and um, learn more about your heart. Um, God, thank you that you are so gracious to um to even give these dreams to this man who sees himself as a God um, and to accomplish your purposes. And um, so I pray that as we read today, as we engage with your word together, um, that your spirit would be at work in us and that we wouldn't see this as just um, another 15 minutes um, of hearing scripture, but um, that it's another opportunity to, for you to be at work in us. Um, accomplishing your purposes even today it's in christ name we pray amen genesis chapter 41 when two full years had passed pharaoh had a dream he was standing by the nile when out of the river they came up seven cows sleek and fat and they grazed among the reeds after them seven other cows ugly and gaunt came up out of the nile and stood beside those on the river bank and the cows that were ugly and gaunt ate up the seven sleek fat cows then pharaoh woke up he fell asleep again and had a second dream. Seven heads of grain, healthy and good, were growing on a single stalk. After them, seven other heads of grain sprouted, thin and scorched by the east wind. The thin heads of grain swallowed up the seven healthy, uh, full heads. Then Pharaoh woke up. It had been a dream. 
In the morning his mind was troubled, so he sent for all the magicians and the wise men of Egypt. Pharaoh told him his dreams, but no one could interpret them for him. Then the chief cupbearer said to Pharaoh, Today I am reminded of my shortcomings. Pharaoh was once angry with his servants, and he imprisoned me and the chief baker in the house of the captain of the guard. Each of us had a dream the same night, and each dream had a meaning of its own. Now a young Hebrew was there with us, a servant of the captain of the guard. We told him our dreams, and he interpreted them for us, giving each man the interpretation of his dream, and things turned out exactly as he interpreted them to us. I was restored to my position, and the other man was impaled. So Pharaoh sent for Joseph, and he was quickly brought from the dungeon. When he had shaved and changed his clothes, he came before Pharaoh. Pharaoh said to Joseph, I had a dream, and no one can interpret it. But I have heard it is said of you that when you hear a dream, you can interpret it. I cannot do it, Joseph replied to Pharaoh, but God will give Pharaoh the answer he desires. Then Pharaoh um, said to Joseph, In my dream I was standing on the bank of the Nile, when out of the river there came up seven cows, fat and sleek, and they grazed among the reeds. After them seven other cows came up, scrawny and very ugly, and lean. I'd never seen such ugly cows in all the land of Egypt. The lean, ugly cows ate up the seven fat cows, and they came up first. But even after they ate them, no one could tell that they had done so. They looked just as ugly as before. Then I woke up. In my dream, I saw seven heads of grain, full and good, growing on a single stalk. After them, seven other heads sprouted, withered and thin, scorched by the east wind. The thin heads of grain swallowed up the seven good heads. I told this to the magicians, but none of them could explain it to me. Then Joseph said to Pharaoh, The dreams of Pharaoh are one and the same. God has revealed to Pharaoh what he is about to do. The seven good cows and the seven are seven years, and the seven good heads of grain are seven years. It is one and the same dreams. Seven lean, ugly cows that came up afterward are seven years, and so are the seven worthless heads of grain scorched by the east wind. They are seven years of famine. It is just as I said to Pharaoh, God has shown Pharaoh what he is about to do. Seven years of great abundance are coming throughout the land of Egypt, but seven years of famine will follow them. Then all the abundance of Egypt will be forgotten, and the famine will ravage the land. The abundance in the land will not be remembered, because the famine that follows it will be severe. The reason the dream was given to Pharaoh in two forms is that the matter has been firmly decided by God, and God will do it soon. And now let Pharaoh look for a discerning and wise man and put him in charge of the land of Egypt. Let Pharaoh appoint commissioners over the land to take a fifth of the harvest of Egypt during the seven years of abundance. They should collect all the food of these good years that are coming up and store the grain under the authority of Pharaoh to be kept in the cities for food. This food should be held in reserve for the country to be used during the seven years of famine that will come upon Egypt so that the country may not be ruined by the famine. So we have Joseph who has had two dreams of his own and also interpreted two dreams of the cupbearer and the baker and now interpreting two dreams uh, you know, that Pharaoh has had as well. And, of course, he says the matter is settled because two dreams makes it a, a firm dream. And so that makes us wonder about the two dreams you know, that uh, Joseph had as a young man. Uh, how firm those dreams will be settled as well. So we come into an interesting situation, you know, in which uh, things have looked really bleak for Joseph, uh, and yet God has brought him to this moment and bringing him to this moment. Uh, he's absolutely prepared for the moment. And it's a different Joseph. This, this is a Joseph that is full of tact and, and wisdom, uh, unlike the way that he approached his brother and his father uh, earlier in the passage. Uh, our last time marker 
it was several years ago, and so he's, he spent a good time, uh, not a good time in prison, but a good amount of time <laughs> in prison. The good time was had by all. Yeah, it was awesome. Uh, so what are some of the things that stand out as you guys read this passage? Well, we brought it up in, um, last week. So you guys were discussing the passages before we get to the podcast. <laughs> no, I'm talking about last week. Uh, on the podcast. Last week on the podcast, we talked about how um, we see uh, just a brief um, telling of the story, and, and it's really easy to forget how much time is passing. So it's nice to have um, this time stamp, I guess, that says two years have passed, which means that he's been in prison two years, I guess, after the Baker and Cupbearer, right? It's, that's what it sounds like yeah. to me. Yeah, from so, the time the Cupbearer has been restored. It's mm-hmm. been a while, and he has to yeah. bathe and shave before he can go see Pharaoh, so he's, he's probably not in good shape. It, it would just be kind of a... years without a shower. It would just kind of be a... <laughs> it would kind of be a Hebrew thing, you know, Egyptians clean-shaven, mm-hmm. and, and of course that is uh, you know what would be required to come into the presence of Pharaoh. And, and for Hebrews, they're kind of sporting the... Uh, you know, the more sporty beard and the plaids and the work mm-hmm. boots. Yeah. And so there had to be an utter change of wardrobe before he came in, uh, before before Pharaoh. Yeah. So two just, years. Is, two years. Yeah. It's I mean, we've just gone through two years, you know, more or less of COVID. And that seemed like an eternity yeah. for us. But uh, you can imagine being in prison. Obviously, Joseph always busies himself and he was always, you know, working hard. But uh, those, those must have been, you know, two very discouraging and hard years because it looked like, you know, whenever the cupbearer left, that, yeah. uh, that there would be an immediate relief, you know, to his suffering. I think, what happened to that cupbearer, man? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> he forgot about me. And, you know, it's kind of the thought strikes me that um, if I were in prison for two years plus um, and I have an opportunity to, to use my gifts to get out of prison, um, then I probably wouldn't say what Joseph says to Pharaoh, which is, I can't do this, but my God can, um, who Pharaoh does not believe in. In fact, I mean, history tells us that Pharaoh, person who was Pharaoh, would believe that they are God, that they are a God, yeah, and mm. uh, like a God King type of um, person. So, I to me that seems a little risky um, to say that, but he's being honest and truthful and completely pointing to the Lord. Yeah. Um, it, it, at the same time, it would not have been highly surprising, you know, for Pharaoh because he he believed in gods, mm-hmm. you know, n- gods, you know, gods plural. And of course, the name that he uses is, you know, a basic, you know, a basic name, mm-hmm. you know, for for God. But he does speak of a, you know, of a different God, you know, and he is mm-hmm. introducing Pharaoh to to one who has, and it is, you know, ironic, you know, uh, Pharaoh who would be considered a god does not have. Uh, what he is going to recognize in Joseph later, the spirit of God's upon him, uh, in order to interpret these dreams. Nor do any, uh, you know, of the uh, priests or the magicians of Egypt able to answer this. Mm-hmm. And of course, we'll see this is a repeating, repeated pattern also in Babylon uh, years later when they go in exile. Mm-hmm. And as well, like just a reminder, we've, we've spoken on it a little bit already, but as you know, Joseph is spending all these years in prison, and it, it seems as if, you know, kind of the world, or especially even this specific cupbearer has kind of forgotten about him, and he's he's all alone, but even in the middle of that, God's obviously not forgotten about him, and, and obviously has these plans to use him in the middle of this really difficult situation mm-hmm. about to arise, which, I mean, for me, is just such a helpful reminder, thinking if so often I'm, I'm on my own, or 
you know, God's maybe forgotten about, but he's obviously at work and he's even working through Pharaoh to get these dreams to Joseph so that he can be put in this position to help the people. And so obviously just love that reminder of even when it feels like you might not be seen or noticed or maybe feel forgotten, God obviously yeah. has not. And it's a reminder, you know, we always, we want things to happen uh, in, in our way on our timetable. Mm-hmm. And, and that's certainly not taking place for Joseph, and seldom will it take place for us. But God is, you know, doing His work when we see Him moving in big ways, and when we don't see Him moving in His big ways. It's not like, you know, He's at work sometimes, and at other times, you know, He's not. Uh, he's also working, you know, behind the scenes mm-hmm. uh, in the character of Joseph, in the circumstances that He's facing, bringing it to exactly the right moment. Yeah. Uh, there are a lot of things, you know, going on in this uh, in this portrait, and that's hard for us to remember when we when we find ourselves usually impatient and questioning God, uh, you know, in circumstances, you know, much less, you know, than what Joseph is going through, you know, right now. Yeah. That's one of the fascinating things. I was to me. about to say all of our fan mail said we need more Matt Kresge on <laughs> on these podcasts. And here we yeah, go. And so. I, I, it's fascinating to me that, you know, he says the reason that the dream was given to Pharaoh in two forms is that it's been firmly decided by God and he will do it. You know, and we're just reminded throughout this that even in the midst of this, the, the sovereignty of God, you know, to, to give dreams, uh, to be able to bring about those dreams. You know, we're watching these like God God is interacting in this moment with, you know, between Pharaoh and Joseph, but it's going to expand to, to include all of Egypt, to include Canaan, mm-hmm. you know, and, and it's going to include 14 years. I mean, we're talking, you know, blessing and, and famine, you know, tremendous mm-hmm. amounts of, of wealth and, and famine. And for some of us, like 14 years seems like a long time. And yet we're watching this outworking of a plan of a story that began way back ago, you know, a long time ago, yeah. mm-hmm. where God's sovereignty is overarching, you know, overarching all of this. Mm-hmm. And so here it is, just even in these two little dreams, and, we're, and they seem so, you know, inconsequential, really, right. in the grand scheme of things. And yet it's driving history in this moment. And, and even to know that God will be not only in the seven years of blessing, but in also in the seven yeah. years of scarcity as well. This is part of his plan in order to accomplish his purposes mm-hmm. for his people. And if the two years in prison were, were hard on some, the seven years of famine would be hard on some as well. But God is still a sovereign God doing what you know, Paul, you know, Paul noted so beautifully in Romans, causing all things to work together for good for those that love him and are called according to his purposes. And he goes on to talk about the sovereignty of God for those he foreknew he also called those he called he also justified those he justified he also glorified that he is bringing his work to our ultimate glorification through the work of the Lord Jesus Christ so this is a a good glimpse into you know the sovereignty of God uh, his plans and his ways and certainly, as Isaiah said, his, his ways are not our ways, nor his thoughts our thoughts. As high as the heavens are above the earth, so high are his ways above our ways, and his thoughts above our thoughts. And in the spirit of all the fan mail that we're getting, uh, Matt, why don't you close us with a word of prayer? <laughs> Let's pray. Father, we do thank you that you are a sovereign God, a God who's in control over all things, and, and when meaning or um, understanding uh, frustrates us or we sense uh, just a lack of it. Father, we're reminded that that you uh, remain in control and we can trust you. Father, we thank you that you are a good and gracious Father, a Father who delights um, to give your people good gifts and 
and to have them rejoice in you. And, and so, Father, would our hearts um, gravitate not towards the gifts, but to the giver of those gifts to you. Father, we thank you for this um, this chapter and, and the story so far of Scripture. Would our hearts be refreshed in, in who you are and what you're doing and what you've done in Christ. It's in his name we pray. Amen. Amen.